Welcome to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast, where facts, logic, and reasoning are at the forefront of every conversation. I'm your host, Andrew Johnson, and in this episode, we will discuss the decade of your 20s, from age 20 to 29, and why is this period of your life so important, and how decisions that you make during this period of time can affect you for the rest of your life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy, and listen as we delve into this issue. Welcome back to the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast. As I said earlier, we're going to be delving into the decade of your 20s and how decisions that we make during this decade can affect us for the rest of our lives. Now, what's difficult and tricky about this decade is this is the first decade that we are literally moving into adulthood or manhood or uh, becoming adults, basically. And a lot of the decisions that we're making are affecting us, even though, like I said in the last episode, our brain technically doesn't fully develop until we reach about the age of 25. However, a lot of the decisions that we're going to make here in this decade does have a a long-term effect on what we do. Now, one of the key things to remember is we kind of have to view things with a long-term perspective during this decade a lot of times we'll look for something quick, fast, and easy, or instant gratification, or some people say immediate gratification. However, the best thing to do during this decade is to try to take a long-term perspective as you make decisions going forward. Now, during this decade, right after you get done with school, whether you do high school and you graduate, you have a few options that you can do. Majority of people will go to college. Approximately 62% of Americans uh, go to college. So at some point, generally after you leave high school, you will probably end up in college. At least almost two-thirds of our population will travel that path. Some people develop a skill or a trade and go work full-time. Others will join the military like I did. And then lastly, uh, some people unfortunately will engage in illegal activity. The relationships that you establish during this period of time are paramount. Many of these relationships last a lifetime, whether you're in school, the military, or you're working on a job. It's very, very important to try and see if you can get someone who can mentor you or help you move from point A to point B. That's usually the outcome or success rate is is much higher versus if you try to do a lot of things yourself because you're brand new to adulthood and you're trying to learn a lot of things that you are uh, unaware of and Some of the things that you'll do is trial and error. So the biggest thing to do is try and find somebody who's done something longer than you and has done it before you so that you don't have to make some of the mistakes that they do. Now, as I said earlier, there's several different areas that you can go into. We talked about job school, military, criminal activity, college, as I said earlier. Also that you have about 62% of people in high school generally go to college. Uh, Education does pay uh, people. Uh, tend to make a little bit more money when they go to school versus if they don't go to school. There are exceptions to the rules, and oftentimes we bring up the exception to the rule. So you will hear a lot of people make statements like, well, Bill Gates didn't graduate college or some other person who, the guy who did Facebook, I forgot his name right now, but uh, someone say, well, they didn't finish college, so why do I have to go? And they're billionaires, but Again, they're exceptions to the rule. They are not the rule. It's always best to try and live your life through uh, probability versus possibility. Sure, those things can happen, but 
more than likely they're probably not going to happen. So it's best to live your life in that probability versus possibility. Now, just looking at education pertaining to money and how much it pays and what are some of the differences are, statistics are pretty uh, accurate on this. Generally speaking, a person with less than a high school diploma makes somewhere between twenty and $30,000 a year. Their unemployment rate tends to be a little bit higher, a lot higher than uh, more educated people. And because of that, they tend to uh, struggle, you know, going through life just because they don't earn enough money to sort of make ends meet. And sometimes they'll dip below the poverty line, depending on their situation. High school, and this is according to Northeast University, some of this, these stats I'm showing, sharing with you. Well, high school diploma, your salary can be anywhere between thirty dollars and $40,000 a year. Uh, hourly, that is about fifteen to twenty dollars an hour. It's not too bad. It's 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 okay, but you're still going to be in a, a little bit of a struggle. I mean, initially getting out of school is may not be that bad, but generally speaking, it's, you're you're want to try and move up and earn a little bit more money if you can. Some college, you start getting into over forty thousand dollars. So the average people who have some college but no degree is about forty three thousand dollars. Associate's degree or two-year degree, they earn about $46,000. So again, as you see, the more college you get, the higher your income tends to go up. Now, if you look at a bachelor's degree, a bachelor's degree, and as we're going up this ladder, I just want you to know the unemployment rate tends to go down with the more education that you have. So from that associate's degree to a bachelor's degree, a bachelor's degree is averaging, earning on average about $65,000 a year on average. So that number there, as you see, is almost $20,000 more than a person with an associate's degree. You get to the master's degree level, you start to earn about $77,000 a year. And again, your unemployment rate is lower at the master's degree level than it generally is at the bachelor's degree level. Professional degrees such as doctors, lawyers, um, uh, financial planner type people, they, they tend to get up to about $95,000, $96,000 a year and then have very low unemployment rates. And doctoral degrees are around the same thing. They're making about the same thing on average, about ninety-six dollars to $97,000 a year. So with all that being said, obviously education pays, and that's why almost two-thirds of our population goes to college because they see the the fruit of their labor, the advancement that they get, the, the opportunities to make more money. So they tend to want to capitalize on that and it, it pays off for them for the most part. Now, if you don't go into decide your college is not for you and it is, uh, you want to try something different. Uh, I went into the military right after high school. And there are some advantages, obviously, to going into the military. And there's some disadvantages, which I will talk about here shortly. But what you have to take into account is the military is not for everybody. Some people struggle with the structure, following orders, things that could essentially be difficult for certain people. The military can be sort of a... Uh, dictatorship in some regards, depending on how, uh, where you're at and what you're going through. And it can be a little tough for people to make that adjustment. It wasn't that difficult for me only because I grew up in a house where there was discipline and structure. So I just went from one household to another where the rules were pretty much similar. 
Now, some of the advantages to being in the military, if you do it right after high school, is you tend to learn a skill or a trade because some of the skills that you learn in the military are transferable to the civilian sector. Not in all cases, but some of them are. There are some advantages to that. There's good leadership for the most part in the military. Now, obviously, there's going to be some bad leaders and there's going to be some bad supervisors. But for the most part, the military uh, develops some really good leaders and you can also get a lot of good mentorship from there. I remember when I was in, I had a, a enlisted guy and a, a, an officer who both helped me with going to school and taking some college courses and showing me how to get from point A to point B in the military, doing well on things to help me uh, make rank and move up the ladder there. It was, I had a few people in my corner that helped me. And there, there, there was even one person who was a civilian, who was just a civilian employee who also helped. So you find mentors in the military and they're very good at it. And it's, it's only an added bonus in that regard. And like I said, a lot of these people you will remain friends with for essentially the rest of your life. You will stay in touch with them. The military does have uh, great benefits. I went to school and they pay for some of your college or there's tuition assistance programs and different things like that. So you don't have to worry about having to borrow a bunch of money when you're in the military to go to school. Now you are going to college in an unconventional way. Sometimes you'll have to go online. You may be traveling TDY and have to go somewhere else. And it can be a little difficult, can be a little taxing, but for the most part, you do have the opportunity to go to college and they, uh, want you to go so it's it's best for you to try and get as much of it as much college as you can while you're in the military because they are paying for a majority of it so anytime you can get your school paid for it's great and in addition to that there's travel that you get to do I was able to go to other countries that I would have never went to if I wasn't in the military so there are some advantages some of the disadvantages to being in the military is the risk is higher uh, your life uh, you're putting essentially your life on the line for your country and you swear to defend that when you take the oath. And like I said earlier, it can seem like a dictatorship. You do have a lot of separation that can be from your family. Now, if you are married and have you know a young family, it can be very taxing on a couple that's in their maybe early twenties who are married. When someone has to travel and be gone for a couple of days, a couple of months, or sometimes even up to a year, depending on the deployment, that can be very hard for some people to go through. And that's tough. But for the most part. It's it's going to have some you're going to have to deal with some of those types of uh, things that that occur in the military. And it's and it's not easy. It's it's uh, it takes special people to deal with things like that. Not to say that it's uh, impossible because it's not. It's just it does take uh, some discipline to be able to live in that type of a lifestyle sometimes. Moving away from the military, the next thing is a full time job. And some of the advantages, obviously, there are you get to earn a salary. You learn by OJT a lot. You're getting hands-on experience. You can live on your own for the most part. And working a full-time job, especially for a man, it tends to keep us out of trouble a little bit more. We're not out and about as we would normally be if we were just, say, working part-time and not working at all. And it keeps us somewhat structured and grounded because generally after working a full day of work, you want to either go home, relax, you generally stay in the house, or if you do go out, you're not out for any extended periods of time. And it's usually not until the, the weekends or the times when you have your days off that you'll go out and do different things. Lastly, the other thing I mentioned was committing crimes and uh, the criminal activity. 
Now, for some people, they view the advantage as, oh, I have a lot more free time on my hands and I got fast money and I get more attention from women because I have this money and I have all these other things and I can be very flashy and showy and the money comes in really fast and even if I spend it, I can always go get more. So some people who engage in that activity will uh, initially on the surface look like they have everything together, but usually it comes crumbling down pretty quickly. And uh, there's a high risk of obviously death and there's a high risk of prison. So ideally this is not the choice that you should make, obviously, because once you go down that path, you just put yourself sort of behind the eight ball. And I'm going to give you an example of what I'm talking about here shortly on I'm going to just share two people and two stories, and we're just going to compare person A and person B, and we're going to show how some of the downsides of the criminal activity can affect you for the rest of your life. And I remember I said that we talked about brain development and not uh, fully developing until roughly around age 25. Well, in that decade from your 20s to 20, say 29, which is your your, uh, decade of your 20s, Usually what ends up happening is, like I said, there's a lot of different things that you're going to be doing that the decisions that you are making are going to have an effect on what occurs to you in the future. So I always tell people is in your present, try to make decisions that will have a biggest impact on your future. So if you can learn to do that, that will make your life so much easier. Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to compare two different individuals, person A and say person B. Person A went to school, didn't really graduate or barely graduated, and decided to get involved in criminal activity pretty much around age 20. He might have bounced around from job to job, had a little fun, but then started to realize that the employment opportunities aren't as good if you say don't finish high school or even if you do finish high school and are looking for something and it may not make it what you thought it was going to make. And you start to feel like, Hey, I need a little bit more money. So you will start to do different things pertaining to that. And when that happens, you start to engage in some type of criminal activity where person B graduates high school, decides they're going to go to college and they may even go to a community college at first or say a state school or get their two year degree or four year degree. And both of them are moving along, and they're at the same age. They went to the same school. They graduated at the same time, and they're just taking different paths. Now, initially, person A, who is involved in criminal activity, may seem like he has it going on and has it together. Like I said earlier, he may be able to attract better-looking women because they will be uh, enamored maybe by his money and how much he's dressing and how he has his clothes. He might have nicer cars because he's accumulated all of these, all of these things from illegal activities. Whereas person B is almost in barely survivor mode. He might be in college. He might be eating Roman noodles and different things like that and working a little part-time job to help pay for his tuition. And he seems like he's just struggling along and trying to find himself and he's doing everything he's supposed to be doing, but he's not going to be getting a lot of the attention at this point. It's going to be person A because he's going to look the part. He's going to have a lot of things that people want. 
So person A and person B are both doing their thing, but they're doing it in totally different directions. One, obviously, like I said, criminal activity. The other person is grinding. He's going to school and he's trying to find himself and get to where he needs to get. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically say person A has a pretty long run for a person who involved in criminal activity. I'm going to say he does not get caught and arrested and convicted for a felony until he gets to about 25, just for examples purposes. So we're going to say he had a, got a solid five-year run before he got caught. Now, most people who engage in this type of activity really don't make as much as you think But for my example, I'm just going to say that in that four or five year period that he was out, he made about $300,000. If he was to add it all up, he made about $300,000. Now, person B, who probably is only working part time and then after he gets out of school, he probably might get a full time job, might have made less than half of that money in that first five years of the decade of their 20s. Might have made just half of that money. So he might have only made about $150,000. Probably it's actually less. I know when I was in the military, I didn't even make that much in my first four or five years in the military. If you add all, add all the numbers up, it wasn't even close. But yeah, it's not that much. So for the most part, if you up to age 25, person A out-earned as far as having money, and then person B did. But let's say he, person A, ends up getting caught, gets convicted, and gets a five-year sentence. It's a first-time felon. They give him five years. Person B is now starting to work. He's starting to get certain jobs. He hasn't maybe found his career yet at age 25, but he's starting to look for it, and he's maybe bouncing around from job to job, but he's get has good opportunities. There's full-time work. And he's, you know, sort of finding himself. He's still enjoying life good. And he's, he's slowly moving towards finding a job that he's going to do that will be a career versus a job. So for the next five years, person A is going to be in prison and is going to make practically nothing. So his next five years, he's going to essentially make zero because he's not going to be earning hardly anything in prison. So he's not going to be making any money where person B is going to be still earning and is still going to be making money. So we consider roughly full-time work in the United States to be about 2000 hours a year. So 2000 hours a year roughly estimates out to about a 40 hour work week. So because of that person A who made $300,000 in that first five years, ended up making $300,000. And if we divide 2,000 hours, and we, well, we, if we times 2,000 hours by 10, because from age 20 to 29 is 10 years, that comes to 20,000 hours. So if we divide 20,000 hours into 300,000, we end up with, 15 and that 15 is just basically $15 an hour. That is how much money he made during his first decade of his twenties, that first decade of his life that he's becomes an adult. He has made on average about $15 an hour. Now person B is probably made about that or maybe a little bit more depending on the type of work and a job he has. And if he was able to find his career before he turned age 30. But for our example, we're going to just say person B does not find their uh, career choice or get their career job until they turn 30. So what I'm going to basically say is that 
both men at the end of the, the, the decade of their 20s have made around the same amount, roughly $300,000 on average. We're going to say they made roughly about the same amount. Now, person B, who is now heading into his career, is going to start making more because now he has that bachelor's degree, and we said people with bachelor's degrees are earning anywhere between forty-five dollars and $50,000 a year. So now he's in the beginning stages of his career. He's earning good money. Person A, now what happens to them? They've got out of uh, their situation, and they are going to want to obviously get a job or start working. But the problem is person A is not, even though they're 30 years of age, skill set and everything that they need to have accomplished, they actually have to go back to age 20. So with age that they had started engaging in criminal activity, they're still there, even though they're in their age group, they're 30 years old. So they're literally starting over. So they're essentially at the 20 year old stage, even though they're 30 years old. Now, person B, since he's been working even part time when he was in college and then in full time once he got out of college and continued to go do what he was supposed to do, was contributing to Social Security. And now many people think, well, yeah, he was working and they were taking the, the tax out of his check, the FICA tax out of his check. All of that money is now going into Social Security. Now, where person A has not contributed one dime into his Social Security. And we're going to come back to that a little bit later. Now, you often hear some people say, oh, Social Security won't be around. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's all these different things. None of that is really true at all. But we'll talk about that uh, another episode. But for the most part here, person A has not contributed one dime to a Social Security where person B has. So now person B is in their career choice and they're probably a specialist at something or their job, they're, they're, the more experience they're getting, they're going to start making more money. They're going to continue to go through the decade of the 30s. They're going to probably get married, have family. All these things are going to start to occur. They're going to buy their first homes. All these things are happening. Person A is starting all over again. So he's at age 20. Now, things may not be going the way he wants them to go. He's not getting the same attention from the women like he did when he was uh, dealing or committing criminal crimes or doing anything like that. He's not getting that same level of attention. So he may not like that way that feels and decides he wants to go back into criminal activity again. So let's just say he tries to do the work thing for about a year or two, and then it's not working out the way he wants. So he goes back into criminal activity. I will say that he made it all the way to 35. And this time I'll say he was got a little bit better. And instead of making $300,000, he made $400,000 before he got caught. So, again, now this time when he gets arrested, since it's his second time, he's not going to do, he's not going to do a five-year sentence. He's probably going to do 10. So, let's just say he just does five years or 10 years. Either way we look at it. If we do the math again and we do the full-time work uh, calculation of 20,000 hours for those 10 years of the, from age 30 to age 40, Instead of making $15 an hour, he's made about $20 an hour. So he's went up a little bit, but he has to give up a lot of time. So he's given up five to 10 years. And if we say 10 years, he's not going to get out until he turns 45 years old. Person B is moving along. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He, like I said, he's probably getting married. He has a family, he bought his first house. 
His skill set is getting better because he is working and he is his specialization. He's gaining more experience. And by the time he gets to about 40, he's either becoming a very good specialist at what he does, or he might even move into a supervisory role. At that point, he's going to be earning a lot more money. So let's just say he's up to about $75,000, $80,000 by the time he turns 40. So obviously, he's going to be making more in the decade between 30 and 40 than person A is obviously made in the decade between 30 and 40. He's obviously making more money. And like I said earlier, he's contributing to Social Security. What about in a 401k plan or retirement plan? Because now he's been working at the same job or different jobs, but he's been able to contribute to his 401k plan. Person A hasn't done any of these things. He hasn't contributed to Social Security, does not have a 401k plan. He's just got out at age 40 or 45. And where does he have to go again? All the way back to age 20. Now, at this point, when you're 40, 45, and you have zero work experience or very little work experience, you're one of the hardest people in the country to employ because it's hard to employ a man who is older with very little work skills. He's going to have a hard time trying to get back to that point A and point B. And he has not contributed anything into a retirement plan or Social Security. He may have children at this point, but it's still his, he's not spent a lot of time with them because for the first 25 years of his adulthood, he's been in prison for 15 of those 25 years, which is about 60% of the time he's been in prison. So he hasn't had a lot of opportunities to bond or melt with any, uh, bond or mold with any of his children or family members. And he just becomes sort of an outsider and it's a little bit more difficult for him. Now we were talking about social security earlier. What I'm basically getting at, and the reason why I brought it up is just simply because as you're going through social security, your, your, what you will get, it will be determined to be, will be determined by how many years of employment you were working. So they take a 35 or they take the number 420 and they divide it by all of the money you made. And the 420 is just basically 420 months, which is 35 years. They will divide that number by all the, 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 the amount you've made and they just combine it all together. And that will determine what you get from social security. So when we look at person a, his first 20 to 25 years, he has all zeros. So his formula for social security, even if he turns his life around, he's 20 years behind. So he's going to probably have to work at least to age 70, 75, just to get his formula up enough to where his social security will make, uh, will start to, uh, he'll be able to have something uh, once he gets older, but he will have to work a lot longer to just play catch up and he'll never really catch up to person B because person B started working at a much earlier age. And by the time that person, person uh, B is in his fifties, he's going to reach his 35 year calculation. So that's that, that 420 months, probably by age 55, 56, where person A doesn't really reach it until he gets to about Actually, if I did the math, it would be 80 years old. We say he got out at uh, 45. But it would take him, he, he would be that far behind. So he wouldn't have a lot of opportunities to contribute to his 401k plans or retirement plans or anything like that. So he's really going to have to rely on other people to help him. And he again, he's going to be even a lot more or less desirable to uh, the dating public just because he doesn't have any skills. He doesn't really make a whole lot of money. And 
he's going to be the year he's going to be getting out would be the year that he should be heading into his financial prime, which is age of roughly, roughly age 45. He'll be heading into his financial prime, but he won't be earning that much money or hardly any at all where person B will be earning uh, a, a, his highest amount that he's ever earned in his life. So from age 45 to 55 is financial prime roughly is what people say. So this is the period of his life where he's going to earn more money than he's ever earned in the course of his lifetime. So, if you do the math and you look at everything, person B, who did the right thing, who did the straight and narrow, who might not have got a lot of attention in his 20s from the opposite sex or trying to get women and different things like that, person A did very well in this area for up to about age 25, but now doesn't have too much that he can offer a woman. So person B is in a much better position than person A is obviously. And part of the reason with this, that this occurs is that as men get older and we earn more, sometimes we become more attractive because our earning potential goes up and we're as, as, as much higher. So that is what the, the issue will break down. So what I was getting at by telling you that long story is just simply the importance of making the right decision in the decade of your 20s because person A made a wrong choice early on in his 20s. As you can see, it is literally affecting him for the rest of his life. Where person B made the right choices, took a long-term perspective, and ended up having a whole lot more resources and living a much better life. And he's obviously probably much more happier isn't really struggling as much as or hardly struggling at all compared to person A. So with that being said, uh, I hope this this little story and this lesson I basically told you pertaining to the decade of the 20s and why it's so important helped you get an understanding of the decisions that you make during that period of time are so important. They are paramount to your long-term success. And it is very important, like I said earlier, to get you a mentor or someone who has done it before you or longer than you to help you through that decade. If you're a man and you get through this decade and you have developed really good skills, communication skills, your ability to work and do different things, your life will be so much more easier compared to the person in the example, like I said, with person A. So keep that in mind. Always stay focused on what's important to you. And again, make your decisions that you're making in that presence in your 20s, in the present, make them for your future. Don't just live for the moment. When you make a decision in your 20s, think five to seven years in advance. So if I'm 21 and I make a decision, what is this decision going to do when I turn 25, 26, 27? How is it going to affect me? These decisions are very, very important. So I hope this was a big help for you, and if you have any other questions about it, you can leave something in the messaging on the message uh, uh, block thing there that, that we have that you can leave a message with, and we'll discuss the decade of the 20s for women. Actually, we're going to discuss that coming up, not in the ne- very next episode, but it'll be, it'll be another episode later on down the line. And even though this podcast is called Men, Money, and Marriage, I think it's important to discuss the women's side too on this because... This is very important for women, too, how they live their lives in their 20s really will have an effect on what happens to them, especially in their relationships as they get older. So this is going to be also very, very critical. 
But like I said, we won't talk about that until another episode. With that all being said, I would like to say thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe to the, the 313 Men, Money, and Marriage podcast. If you do subscribe, we're going to try again, provide it on a weekly basis. And if you can leave a message in that message box, and maybe it will be a question that you might have. We can maybe put it in a future podcast and even create an episode based upon the question that you ask. With all that being said, I would like to say thank you for listening and good night.